Um, yeah, when I was in year three, um, there was an outbreak of something uh, just as devastating to, to me and my peers as coronavirus back then. It was like uh, poo germs because uh, one kid, um, his name was uh, Eddie, he had an accident, didn't make it to the loo in time. And um, yeah, he he ended up making a big mess and he he got, got himself the nickname Poo Pants Eddie. And um, it's pretty pretty heavy time for Poo Pants Eddie. No, I wanted to be his mate. No, I wanted to um, touch him, obviously, because if you touched him, you'd be infected for life. And so the only game that we'd play with Poo Pants Eddie was to shove some of our mates into him so they would touch him and then they'd be infected for life. Now, I've got a lot of regrets about uh, year three and uh, how we treated um, how we treated Eddie. He, he was alone. He ended up leaving the school. It got, got really heavy for him. And I feel bad about that because how bad does it suck to be uh, just on the outer, to be to be excluded, to be shunned, to have people not want to um, be with you, touch you, um, invite you, welcome you, whatever it is, because of, of of something about you. Being on the outer outer sticks, you miss out on heaps of good things. You miss out on uh, deep friendships, uh, human touch, feeling loved and welcome, and all that. Now, we're living in a time where um, we don't know who in our society's got the kind of poo pants coronavirus. And so we're all uh, keeping our distance, some better than others. Some enjoy the distance if they're introverts. The extroverts are going a bit, a bit crazy because you miss out, don't you? You miss out on, on, on gathering. I mean, here we are trying to do uh, church online, and it's just not the same as being um, in the same place gathered together. We're missing out because of this. Uh, you can't enjoy um, life when you when you're doing the self-isolating thing, or worse still, the quarantine thing. There's a, um, a one of the staff members at our church two weeks ago found out that both her parents had tested positive for the uh, COVID-19 virus. They'd been on a cruise, and they, they were like, you know, she was pretty cut up about that. And the parents were put straight into quarantine at a hotel in Sydney, no contact, like doors locked. And, uh, you know, thankfully, uh, it seems to have been a mild dose. You know, we're praying for them and they've, they've, been, uh, they've been given the all clear to, to come back to foster and they're, they're self-isolating at home. But there's still, there's still that distance. And I, I don't know about you guys, but I, I can't wait for the whole COVID rubbish to be over when the lockdown's over and we can gather freely again. I want us to walk through uh, the, the beginning of Chapter 8 in, in the book of Matthew today because there's stories about Jesus healing people. Um, you get three particular stories that get a bit of airtime there. He heals a leper. He heals a centurion servant. He heals a, a woman who's sick in bed. And uh, they're really just sample stories of many. If you look down near the end of the, the bit we, we heard read in verse 16, you see heaps, he heals heaps of uh, other people. But Matthew highlights the, these three because um, he wants to make some specific points and he gives us some tips as to what his main point is. And you'd be missing the main point. If you thought that this part of the Bible was saying, if you have enough faith, if you believe in Jesus hard enough, he'll heal you, that, that'd be kind of missing the point. And what I want to do is walk you through this, uh, this little section and, and help you see the clues and the tips that Matthew gives us so we can, so we can understand what he's uh, recorded it for. And the first thing, um, I mean, it's pretty obvious, is that you see that, that Jesus has incredible power to heal. Um, he can heal all kinds of diseases. He can do it with a, a touch like he did with the leper and like with the woman who was sick in bed. He can do it with just a word 
like he did with the centurion's servant. I mean, he didn't even see the guy, just said, you know, yep, he'll be good. And he was good. And uh, it's instant with Jesus. Okay, so with the leper, have a look at verse 3 there if you got it open. He says, uh, he says be clean. Uh, immediately he was cleansed of his leprosy. And jump down to verse 13 with the centurion's servant. His servant was healed at that moment. And then with the woman down in verse 15, um, he touched her hand and the fever left her. You know, she got up, began to wait on him, good as gold, straight away. And, and, and it's incredible, isn't it? Here's a man walking the earth who has, who has power to heal with a word or a touch. And these stories get recorded for us as historical events. You know, eyewitnesses saw it go down, amazed, and, and recorded it. And you can imagine if, if this was going on today, be like Jesus could uh, go up to the local hospital. I don't know what it's called up there at Coffs, uh, the hospital. But he could just kind of basically walk through the ward, just like touching people's toes, walking, walking past the beds, and just discharging everyone, just cleaning the place out. Or he could jump on the ruby princess and just say, guys, you're all good. You can go home. And uh, if, if that happened, you'd, you'd be thinking, mate, that is, that is incredible. Who is this guy? Who can do that? And that's that's really part of the emphasis here on, on the miracle stories of Jesus. You're meant to be asking this question, who's got who's got this kind of power? And that's what they do, that. They point to who he is. I mean, in verse 4, have a look at this. Have a look at what he says to the leper. He says, see that you don't tell anyone, but go, show yourself to the priest, and offer the gift Moses commanded as a testimony to them. Okay, this is important. This healing, it's meant to be a testimony to the religious leaders of the day that something big is going on. And the evidence that something big is going on is that there's a guy who's been healed of leprosy instantly by a man who did it with just just a touch. And this is a tip-off to the religious leaders of Jesus' day, that there's a, there's a new player on the scene. A new big player has arrived because in the Old Testament, this, this healing of leprosy, it only happened twice, and God used some really big, big players to get it done, Moses and Elisha, and now it's happened again. And in the Old Testament, God, God promised that one day he'd send the biggest player onto the scene who would be, be a guy known as the Messiah or the Christ, and he would come. And he, he would rescue his people and he would, he would bring in the kingdom of God and he'd bring full restoration. And so Jesus has sent this healed leper to them as a testimony to them to get them thinking, is this, is this the guy? Is this the biggest player that God said would come? And so uh, the healing show you a couple of things. That they show you that Jesus has got power over all kinds of sickness and they, they point to the fact that he's a huge somebody. He's not just a bloke. And the context is important here because he's just finished preaching like the best sermon in history, right? Matthew uh, chapters 5 to 7, the Sermon on the Mount, Jesus has just finished uh, preaching there. And here's what people um, are thinking. This is the end of chapter 7. When Jesus had finished saying these things, the crowds were amazed at his teaching because he taught as one who had authority and not as their teachers of the law. Uh, so Jesus is not just some guy who teaches with authority. Now he's shown that he, he actually has the authority of God uh, to perform these miraculous deeds. That there's a, there's, a power, there's a power about this man, an authority about this man that is meant, it's meant to make you ask, who is he? Who is he? Could he be the one that God said he'd send into the world? 
And so, yeah, that's what they do. They, they point to the fact that this, he's that guy. But they also uh, point to, to what his main mission was going to be when he came to be amongst us. And it wasn't just to teach and it wasn't just to heal, um, which is one of the reasons he told the, the leper not to go and tell everyone, because he, he didn't really just want a whole crowd of people who were sick to come looking for healing. That wasn't his primary, primary purpose. The healings, they're really little taste tests of the full restoration that's going to come, little illustrations of, of the deep spiritual uh, healing that he's come to bring. And if you look down at verse 16 and 17, you can see, you can see what they, they point to. When evening came, many who were demon-possessed were brought to him, and he drove out the spirits with a word and healed all the sick. This was to fulfill what was spoken through the prophet Isaiah, he took up our infirmities and bore our diseases. So, so these healings, they actually point to something beyond themselves. They, they fulfilled a prophecy that was made 700 years beforehand through the prophet Isaiah, which is what Matthew quotes there at the end. And it's where God promises to send a suffering servant who'd, who'd, who'd come to take on like our deepest sicknesses so that we could be healed. He'd suffer for it, but we'd be healed. And, and uh, here's the, um, the prophecy that Matthew's quoting. I'll, I'll see if it can come up on the screen there. It's from Isaiah chapter 53. It says, surely, Isaiah 53 verses 4 and 5, he says, surely he took up our pain and bore our suffering. Yet we considered him punished by God, stricken by him and afflicted. But he was pierced for our transgressions. He was crushed for our iniquities. The punishment that brought us peace was on him, and by his wounds were healed. Right, th this prophecy ultimately gets fulfilled when, when Jesus dies on the cross and where he subs in for, for us, where he takes, he takes on our, our sin and he gets punished for our sin so that we could be uh, forgiven and made right with, with God. And this is actually the link that Matthew wants us to, to be making here with the healings. They point us somehow to what's going to happen on the cross. Because on the cross, this is where Jesus uh, dealt with our deepest sickness, our sin. And it's ultimately where he deals with, with all sickness. Because sickness has come into the world because of sin. Like we live in a world that's out of whack. When humans sinned at the beginning, sickness came in. We're now living in this, this cursed uh, environment. And, and the promise of God is that one day he, he will restore it with a new heavens and a new earth. But what's got to happen is the core problem has to be dealt with, and that's our sin. Sickness is, is the fruit, but, but sin is the root. There's not always a direct link between your sickness and a specific sin. I'm not saying that. But generally, sickness in the world comes through sin. And really, the key to long-lasting, full-tilt healing is dealing with the root issue, which is sin. So Matthew's given us this little tip-off that what, what, what these healings are are little, uh, little taste tests of what will ultimately be accomplished in full on the cross when Jesus dies for our sin. So I don't just point to uh, Jesus' power to make um, people well again, although he does have that in spades. They do show you who he is, that he, he's the one God promised to send into the world, the Christ, the Messiah, the, the King of the kingdom. 
But there are also these little illustrations of, of the full restoration that he's coming to bring and little taste tests of that deep uh, spiritual healing that he ultimately has come to bring. And how beautiful, um, how beautiful is, is this? You, you see how beautiful it is by the kinds of people that, that get the healing, that get the, uh, the attention of Jesus. Because um, like I said, Matthew says he did heaps of healings and here's, here's some specific examples. And the examples he's picked, they have something in common um, because because all, all these people in these stories we're engaging with, they have something in common, and that's that they're all outcasts in some way. They're all excluded from uh, participating in Israel's worship in some way. They're excluded in some form from drawing near, near to God. Uh, the woman, uh, for example, uh, she's a Jewish woman, and uh, at the time the Jewish women weren't allowed to serve in the temple. Weren't allowed to draw as near as, as the male uh, priests. Restricted, yet Jesus touches her, and then uh, she she serves him, and you can't draw nearer to God than serving the Lord Jesus, and and the leper man he is he is the classic poo pants Eddie, big time. Uh, I mean back in the day that there, there were like mega mega strict uh, rules for people who had who had uh, contagious contagious skin diseases like uh, uh, leprosy. And so they had to self-identify as a leper. That's pretty humiliating. Um, they got to war, got to wear uh, torn clothes. They got to yell out, you know, unclean, unclean, so people don't um, come near them and, and get infected. They got to cover part of their face. They got to wear a bell, a little cat. Um, they got to live in quarantine. Then they're allowed in, in the towns and cities. They got to live on the outskirts. They um, they have to practice social distancing big time. Um, even with their own family, can't touch. And they're not allowed to go to the temple because um, they're, they're unclean. And so this 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 guy that uh, comes to Jesus, he's a total outcast, full-on loner, cut off physically, cut off socially from his friends, can't go to birthday parties, weddings, can't go to school, none of that. And he's cut off spiritually. He can't, he can't go to the temple to worship, to draw near to God. He can't get God's people and, uh, and Jesus sees this guy and he's like, Jesus, if you're willing, you can make me well. And Jesus is like, I'm so willing. And he, and he touches him. And uh, it's beautiful because, I mean, that was breaking the rules. But how long has it been since the guy's been touched? I mean, touched by Jesus. And uh, instead of Jesus um, becoming unclean, he, he makes this guy, this guy clean. And he sends him back to the priest to get, to get the all clear. Um, which means he can plug back in uh, to to community. He can plug back into fellowship with God's people. He can plug back in uh, with his family. He can now he can now draw near. So um, Jesus isn't just healing him physically and emotionally. He's he's helping him reconnect um, spiritually, so he can draw near. And and this is what Jesus can do for you too. No matter how unclean um, your sin has made you. No matter how dirty, dark, and grimy things are, you know, on the inside, no matter how stained you've become, Jesus can touch you and and clean you, and and help you plug back in to fellowship um, with God's people, and and He can help you draw near to God as He as He cleanses you from your deepest your deepest sickness, which is sin. 
as you come to him for forgiveness, he wash you in an instant, bam, just done, straight away. And your sin will be removed from you as far as the, the east is from the west. It'll just be buried, never to see the light of day again. There'll be, there'll be just no stain on you and you can be made clean and you can draw near. And some of you uh, know you need a fresh start like that, but maybe you feel like you're, you're too dirty, you're too far gone. You're not, okay? You're not. The Lord knows you. Uh, he sent his son for you, and the offer to be clean is, is there for you. And if you were to come to him, if you were to go to Jesus today uh, by, by praying, by talking to him, and you, if you were to confess your uncleanness, your sin, here's the response. Mate, I am willing to clean you. I am willing. I am so willing that I went to the cross for you. I'm so willing that I took it all, all of your garbage on myself. I took all of the judgment of God on myself so that you can be forgiven and cleansed. I'm so willing. Just come. Be clean. And, and that can happen for you today, uh, right now, no matter how grubby you've become. And that's sweet news. And you can also plug your back in to, uh, to fellowship with people. To, to gathering with people again. You don't have to be socially isolated um, spiritually. God's, God's desire for you is that you plug back in with a group of people and you can draw near to God together. So when the whole, you know, poo virus is, is over and done with, um, plug into Anchor Church up at Coffs. You're a great bunch of people. I've known, I've known some, of them, some of them for many years. They'll, uh, they'll help you work out how to follow Jesus. But do draw near to God and then plug in with his people. I love that about the leper. Uh, what about the centurion and his paralyzed servant? Um, th these guys are also outsiders because of their race. They weren't the right race. They weren't they weren't Israelites. They they were Gentiles, and because of their race, they were they were excluded from from the temple from worship as well. And this guy was uh, he was he was an outsider for some other reasons too. He's a he's a military leader in the in the occupying. Uh, force in Israel. So you can't get a more outside Gentile than this guy. But when he comes to Jesus, he comes very humbly and he asks Jesus to heal his uh, servant who's sick at home. Can't The servant can't make it to Jesus. So he comes up to Jesus and um, Jesus actually offers to go to his house, which again, be breaking the rules. Jews would not fellowship with Gentiles, certainly wouldn't touch them, wouldn't go and share a meal with them. But here's Jesus saying, I'll go, I'll go to your house. Pick it up there in verse 7. Uh, Jesus uh, said to him, shall I come and heal him? The centurion replied, Lord, I don't deserve to have you come under my roof, but just say the word and my servant will be healed. For I myself am a man under authority with soldiers under me. I tell this one go and he goes and that one come and he comes. I say to my servant, do this, and he does it, except now he's paralysed, he doesn't. Uh, when Jesus heard this, he was amazed. Um, can you imagine going to the doctor and uh, say, and the doctor saying to you, um, oh, you know, what's up, what can I help you with? Uh, and you say, no, I'm good. I'm all good, but my kid at home, paralysed, like can't walk. But just say the word. Don't worry about a script. Just say the word, and um, I reckon he'll come good. No one goes to the doctor and says that, do they? 
Now, and this uh, this amazes Jesus that he has this kind of this kind of attitude to Jesus. And you got to work pretty hard to amaze Jesus. But here's here's why Jesus is amazed because you've got an outsider getting it. You've got an outsider getting it before a lot of the insiders are that the Jewish people that he's getting Jesus. He's understanding that Jesus has this this power and this authority that surpasses anything he's had or experienced, and he comes to him humbly, and, and Jesus is amazed. And he says the kingdom of heaven is going to be full of outsiders like this guy. Have a look at verse 10 there, just near the end of it. Truly I tell you, he says, I have not found anyone in Israel with such great faith. I say to you that many will come from the east and the west and will take their places at the feast with Abraham, Isaac and Jacob in the kingdom of heaven. Now, I, I love this because Jesus is saying heaven is, is basically open to people from any and every nation, from the east and the west. There's going to be um, not just the descendants of Abraham, the Israelites, there's going to be people from every tribe and tongue and nation, from the east and west. And this was always God's plan, wouldn't it? When God made those big promises to uh, Abraham in, in the Old Testament, Genesis 12, he says, Abraham, I'm going to bless you and I'm going to bless all the nations through you. And now here you've got Abraham's greatest descendant, Jesus, saying it's go time. It's go time. No matter what someone's um, spiritual heritage has been, no matter what their what their race is, if they have faith in him, they're also going to take their place at the feast in the kingdom of heaven. And how good is that feast going to be? Can you imagine how good that feast is going to be when there's people from every nation cooking up sweet dishes? How good is that going to be? Uh, not just the food. I mean, uh, Isaiah describes the feast as uh, there's going to be the choicest of meats and the finest of wines. I don't want to miss that one. That's going to be good. And think about the people who are going to be there. All, all these people we're, we're engaging with now in the Bible, all these names, you know, Abraham, Isaac, Jacob, some ex-leper, some centurion, uh, Moses, Elijah, the apostles. I mean, how good is it going to be to rub shoulders with those guys? No more distance. We'll be up close and personal, fellowshipping with these people. We know, we know from afar now. But there's also going to be your loved ones who've died in Christ. Those who've trusted this man will be at the feast. They'll be at the table enjoying good things with their Lord. How good is that going to be? And there's going to be people from every tribe and tongue and nation. There's going to be Aussies. There's going to be Pakistanis. There's going to be uh, Indians and Koreans. There's probably even going to be New Zealanders. It's going to be, like, pretty good, pretty wild. <laughs> but here's, here's the good news, right? Jesus, he's not racist. He's not. doesn't matter what race you are or how you've been raised, what religion you've been raised, whether you've been raised as a, you know, a Muslim or a Buddhist or an atheist or just no particular religion at all. Jesus says if you, if you put your trust in him and what he's done for you to deal with your deeper sickness, you can come to the feast. The invitation is open and it's sweet and beautiful, so you don't need to be an outsider. You can come and be uh, on the inside at the feast with God's people. Uh, so it doesn't matter who you are or your background, but it does matter that you respond to him. 
with trust, with faith, with this humble attitude toward him. Because uh, Jesus, there's a little sting in the tail here because he gives a warning to people who assume that they're going to be in because of their spiritual heritage. In verse 12, he says, But the subjects of the kingdom will be thrown outside into the darkness where there will be weeping and gnashing of teeth. And here, the, the, the subjects of the kingdom, he's referring to the Jews of his day, not all of them, just, just the ones who are hard to him, unbelieving in him. And he's talking about the people who assumed that because they were Jews, descendants of, of uh, Abraham, that they'd be sweet. But Jesus, he, um, he's saying that unless they're like the leper and like the centurion who actually come to him in faith, uh, they, they will be on the outside because being right with God is about um, rightly being connected to Jesus, the one God sent, not just your, your spiritual heritage. And where you don't want to end up is on the outside uh, because Jesus describes it as um, darkness where there's going to be weeping and gnashing of teeth. Uh, and he's talking about hell. And, and you don't want to end up there when you could be at the feast. So this, this may be a timely word for um, some of you who maybe have grown up with a rich spiritual heritage, maybe Christian parents and uh, have been along to church and youth group and kids' church uh, all your life, and you assume that. Um, but, but, uh, but unless you, you, you come to Jesus yourself um, and you put your trust in him yourself, you may find yourself on the outside. So this may be a good opportunity just to take stock and work out whether you are one of the insiders or the outsiders. And Jesus says it all comes down to um, do, you, do you have faith in him? Do you, do you trust him? So uh, the, the big stuff to glean uh, from today is that uh, Jesus is powerful, can do whatever he wants. Uh, he's definitely compassionate. And, and he's come to make unclean people clean and to bring outsiders in, which is great news. <laughs> great news, isn't it? Do you believe that? Uh, go to him for cleansing. Go to him uh, for including. He's able to wash you thoroughly from whatever it is that stained you, and he's willing. Um, no matter how dirty you've become or no matter what race you are or what your heritage has been. So uh, go to him now. That's all i got for you guys. Um, I'd love to pray for you if that's all right before we wrap up. I'm waiting for a nod, I'm getting a nod. I'm going to do it anyway. Here we go. I'm going to pray. Uh, Lord God, thank you for sending your, uh, your son Jesus into the world who's so compassionate, so powerful. And thank you that he's, he's shown us, given us a taste test of what's to come, that, that full uh, restoration. We can't wait, Lord, for the day when there's no sickness. We thank you that you've promised uh, your people a feast in the kingdom with, with resurrection bodies that are never going to get sick, never going to wear out. What a great hope we have. And we know that because of the resurrection of your son from the dead. It's a sure hope. Got to pray for uh, people uh, right now who are feeling far away, like they can't draw near because they're unclean in some way. Just right now, please help them to trust your son for uh, cleansing for forgiveness and assurance that um, 
Jesus' sacrifice can work for them too. And we pray you plug them into good good friendships and good fellowship with other people who can help them work out what it is to live under the authority of this compassionate King Jesus. God, please uh, help us not to not to uh, exclude others from the kingdom who you're inviting in. Help us to be a welcoming church to people who um, maybe have lived dirtier than us or from races different to ours. So please let Anchor Church be incredibly hospitable to those that you are bringing in. God, we pray that the word um, might go out in that, in that district uh, to your glory up there and you grow Anchor Church. Um, and God, I pray that uh, many, many who live in the Coffs region would, would join us at the feast and that great day when Jesus returns. Amen.